Welcome to CCLVI Special Events Podcast. We are bringing to you a very special event that we had on a Zoom call in May 2020. One of our members, Glenda Such, shared her experiences creating art and using photography when she had low vision. Listen in as she explains how she did this work. The audience asked questions and we learn from these experiences. There is a companion file that has the images included in it. Check the website at cclvi.org slash media podcasts and you will find the Word file that accompanies this episode. So we want to welcome you all to CCLVI Thursday Table Topics. We're very pleased to have Glenda Such with us here to talk about photography and art with low vision and visual impairment. And it's a very special opportunity to have her discuss this topic that she's had experience with, and I'll turn it over to her. Hi, I'm Glenda Such, and... At present, I don't have any real vision, but I used to have low vision. From the time I was a child, I was sketching and doing things and doing photography since age six. It's funny because we really didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't get the film developed, but I used to take pictures. (laughs) (laughs) But when I got to be older, I started to develop my own pictures and, and, you know, and I was sketching and everything else. I wanted to start off by showing you some of my artwork and then explaining how I was able to do it with low vision. And first we'll start with three sketches. So the first one. Okay, the one I have up, Glenda, is is the water wheel. Right, okay. okay. I saw this photo of this shot of this particular scene, and I made a point of using, I used my CCTV, well, I guess this was before the CCTV. I used um, full lens magnifiers, you know, that are, you wear, um, and you know, I bring this the picture up to about two inches from my eyes to be able to see it. And I would stare at it and really notice all the details and everything. And then I'd put it away and I'd sketch it out of my own mind, what I remembered. And then I would use a CCTV to do that over the years. So this picture that I drew actually took me about a year to draw because I kept going back to it. It's a water wheel and there is some water coming off the wheel. There's water coming out the side of um, what would be the stream vent or whatever you want to call that. It would come out and it pouring over the rocks and such things. Um, So the hardest thing was to get the depth perception of it. But I had an art teacher when I was in 10th grade who told me to look at what I'm seeing. Really look at it. Like, how do you see that there's a difference and what's in the foreground and the background? What lets you see that? And it's actually the shading. You know, what's more light and what's darker is actually further back usually. So this is the one I had drawn. If we go to number two. Oh, this is pencil, by the way. Everything I do is in pencil. There we go. This should be an wow. owl. Yeah. Okay. And this, I really had to use a CCTV because there's so much fine detail in this. It's an owl that's swooping down from the sky on this poor little mouse. But I love the details that I got to put in there because of the CCTV, letting me see just how to get the lines really close to each other. Otherwise, if I didn't, I would just crawl over and it'd be a mess. So we want to see number three, it'd be a sailboat. There we go. There's the sailboat. I was known for drawing in the my papers at school. It's not like an indicator. I wanted to sail away. I didn't want to be there. <laughs> but, you know, I had, I would draw, you know, tall ships with all these masks and everything else. And this is the one I really liked because it was simple. 
I just like the simplicity, but I got into it by, you know, doing the sky and the, with the clouds and everything else. And that's something that you can do by just when you're sketching um, with pencil, what I do is I covered the surface with the color of the pencil and then I would erase to get the light colors. Oh, okay. So if you don't do it that way, then it's, it's more difficult. So you can erase the, the white, you know, get white, and then you can swoosh your finger with pencil so that it has not hard edges, but has the soft edges that form when you really look at things. So, um, and same with the water that the, the sailboat is sailing on and the same with how the water, how the sails look like they're actually blowing is done by just taking darkness and then erasing some of it and then, you know, putting in, swishing it so that it starts off dark. And as you push further out, it gets less and less dark. Um, you couldn't draw that. That has to be almost like squished out, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Especially uh, your clouds look so nice that way. Um, and, and the effect that you've been able to, I can almost see the clouds moving, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So are you saying you're kind of smudging it? Yeah, you smudge it. You, you know, like you start at the darkest point, and you sort of smudge outwards. But as you smudge oh. out, you have less and less of the pencil under your, your swoosh. So yeah. that automatically, you know, goes lighter because you run out of it as you push out. So mm -hmm. it works well that way. And if it goes too far, you just erase out some stuff. And in this case, Glenda, um, you did your background first, obviously, and mm -hmm. then then did your um, probably your sail on the, your ship, maybe last. Towards yeah, it was towards the yeah. very end. Mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't do as much um, putting in the dark color on that one. You know, I kind of left it sort of blank white, and I had to mm -hmm. go into where the sail would be, and so that I don't know how to describe it. Um, like I did the background so that it went further into the area that the sailboat would be in, mm -hmm. but not all the way because I knew I was going to have light. So I didn't want to take out all that stuff. So, sure. so that was that. Okay. It's amazing. Um, the, um, the water movement around the bottom of the boat. Am I seeing yes, that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I saw that too. And, and it, it looks like it's really splashing up. Um, yeah. You really get the sense that it's moving through the water. Yeah. Well, thank mm -hmm. you. And that was, that was really something that was determined to get. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so okay. how did you achieve that, Glenda? Again, with the smushing, swishing and erasing. Okay. Uh, and how you, when you think about the white on things, it's kind of like if, in my mind, I thought like it's bursting with the, the light, you know, that there's mm -hmm. a light. So I figured, you know, even when I do the little white, you know, white splashes, I think I guess the sun going bing, bing, you know, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you draw like bing, bing, you know, race while well, you're race like bing, bing, then it comes right out. So, mm. yeah. Well, that took a lot of practice to get to the level that you did this picture. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, through the years, um, I was doing different things. I didn't draw from the time that I was in fifth grade to the time I was in 10th grade, um, just in the margins of my paper, but um, I had been told by someone that I drew like a kindergarten kid and I stopped drawing for five years. Um, so, and then when I started to draw again, suddenly it burst out. It was like mm -hmm. <laughs> out again. So it's, right. it's, it's unfortunate what an unkind remark can, can do. 
Oh, yeah. Especially when you're a certain ch- you know, age child, it's just like mm-hmm. waste you. So, um, okay. Now it can, you, it can uh, make you more determined than ever, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people say, you know, that surviving with success is revenge. <laughs> so, right. so um, yeah, I actually, there's one there's picture one. I put in there, but there's a picture, first picture I did was of a uh, wine bottle half full with a bowl of grapes behind it and all that. And that actually won a contest in an art show. So I'll um, find it. <laughs> so, okay. Now we're going to move on to the photography, which is what took some doing to be able to, to actually do the level that I was doing. So we go into the next one. Number four. Mm-hmm. The hot air balloon. Yeah. The there hot we air go. I'm going to show you what I use a lot with my photography. This is a 10x telescope. Can you see it? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I would use. I would stand in one place and plant my feet in a nice, comfortable position and then stand and look through the telescope at something. And then once I saw the angle that I wanted, then I would just pull up the camera and not move. And then I knew I was at the same place. Mm. Um, you know, even when I got a telephoto lens, which was later on, um, it wouldn't have got the same quality that I got with this. Um, you know, just, it was luck actually. Um, but what I also did was when I was looking through the telescope, I realized that the flame was going up. I was seeing it and I thought, let me see if I can figure out when that goes. And I realized there was a sound Mm. happen. Ah. So there I shot the, I was, had the camera, you know, with the viewfinder pointing right at it. And I waited for the sound. The second I heard the sound, I shot it and I got the flame. Yeah. Wow. That takes a lot of control to do what you did with the uh, looking through your magnification device and then lining that up with the, the camera mm-hmm. to have the control so that it wasn't shaking. Yeah, that takes a lot. I mean, well, and patience too to to yeah. coordinate it with the sound of the of the flame. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's a lot. That that that's so clear. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever, it, you, did you ever it, use tripods, Glenda? You know, it's funny. I never. I tried doing that once. I lived in a high rise. Serena was there for this one, um, and there was a, a fireworks show. Oh, that was great. Yeah, and it was I was on the twenty fifth floor and was looking right out, almost right at the fireworks. I had tried to use the tripod for that, and the tripod kept slipping the camera, you know, like going up, mm-hmm. yeah, and but ruined a lot of shots. So I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I just tried, but I had a really good sense of kinesthetic awareness where my body was, so I could mm-hmm. just, be, you know, at a comfortable distance and just say, okay, now realize where your muscles are. You have to repeat that muscle, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Brenda, tell us what camera you're using when you took these photographs. I was, actually, I was wrong. I was saying the wrong camera, but it's a, it was a Minolta 7000i. Um, mm-hmm. And it was funny because I had gotten laid off from a job and I had money from, <laughs> from my master's degree. And I said, I'm taking some of that money and buying a good camera. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. So, um, okay. Was that like an SLR camera? Yes. Yes. Okay. So 30- it had a um, you know conventional lens on it when I got it, and later I got a, a telephoto. But I just mm-hmm. tell us. my very first camera was actually an Olympus um, camera, um, and 
the one I had was made in East Germany and I had to carry papers for it uh, when I traveled <laughs> made in a communist country. <laughs> so, okay. If we move to the next photo. Okay. So people wouldn't, governments wouldn't think you were bringing in contraband. You got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or taking yeah. out, out governmental secrets or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, remind me, which is this, this photo? This is this is of a mountain with snow and a yeah. beautiful blue sky with wispy this, clouds. Yeah, this actually when we went to one of the conventions, it was outside of um, it was in Denver actually, yeah. and I would always hire or find a way to get out into where they could take photos. I'd go two days early and do photography. I was taken to the top of this mountain, obviously. It was so crisp and clear that I was amazed. Like in the water, this in the foreground, you can actually look hard and see that there's some algae and stuff in there. This was the summer, if you can believe it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but I really, I like to capture things. You know, my whole thing of, of photography is that I want to be able to share with people what I saw, mm -hmm. the beauty in what I saw. You know, and also be able to just capture the moment, but not like an ownership, but just like for pure pleasure. So, okay, this was that it was in this, you know, again, it was at one of the CCLVI ACB conferences that I went out and did this two days early. Glenda, this is Zelda. And I was zoomed in on the on the very top of the, the mountain and, you know, maybe down where you were at in the valley. Um, by the water there, um, it may have been calmer, but at the very top, it looks like you have captured like a breeze that has, has put snow in the air, or maybe that's clouds. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because the wind was blowing. photo that mm -hmm. I didn't include that I took of looking up towards the Continental Divide and mm -hmm. the mountain and the wind pushed up some snow from that. And that was pretty cool. And, you know, if you're at the right place at the right time, you get really nice shots. Absolutely. Yeah. I see that too, Glenda, over on the left-hand side. Yes. Yes. That's what yeah. I'm looking at. And it could mm -hmm. be the cloud from behind, you know, or it yeah. could be the snow raising from that mountaintop because there is snow up there. Mm -hmm. I have Very to admit, I, I think it's snow. After 35 years, I don't remember. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this goes to prove at, at that moment in time, it depended if you were on the mountaintop or if you yep. were down in a valley. And, you know, that kind of has some symbolism to it, too. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes sometimes we're down in the valley and we don't see what's going on on the mountaintop. <laughs> right. And this is of a storm. This is over uh, the bay in Long Beach, New Jersey, Long Beach Island, New Jersey. And... I was, again, with my camera, and I saw this storm coming in. It was just magnificent that the sunbeams were coming through at one time. And I, at one point, I knew they were going to. So I just sort of waited um, until they did. And I kept my, that camera up to my face for a long time. And then when all of a sudden everything lit up, I was like, now. <laughs> so, yes, yes. All that but, is magnificent. Yeah, and actually, than the actual thing looked <laughs> so when i came when i saw the photo when it developed i was like oh this came out better than what i saw it so <laughs> it looked more dramatic all right the next one all right we have a big cactus yeah this thing looks like it's from mars um <laughs> you know, it's truly cactus are not all the same and this one sort of grew very amorphous you know sort of like went this way and that way and i really loved it and so but my story behind this one is that I had to sort of get on my knees to be to take this photo. And the person that had taken me out into the desert had said, be careful because, you know, your knee hits a barb or something. It goes in, it doesn't come out and you're going to have to have, you know, 
trying to see if it will grow out or if something's have it removed by your doctor. The barbs, you know, that the Indians used to throw down in bags and onto the soldiers, which, you know, sort of did them in. But when I was taking this photo, I swore I had distance from that one that was alongside my knee. And I swore it jumped out at me. <laughs> and when it happened to my knee, didn't really know it was there until I had gone later on to put on stockings and went... <laughs> Up, up, you know, up the barb on my leg. So I was like, hmm. Mm. But, you know, the photo itself, you know, a lot of times I have to explain to people that it's a cactus because they're going, what is that? Mm-hmm. So, okay, next one, Zelda. Do you see that? It it, it looks like um, a tree. A single tree? With many branches. Yeah, the single tree was supposedly the oldest tree in the Rockies. It was that same period when I went to a conference out there. And I did was I had actually walked up to this tree and I had felt it. And it was very smooth and it was like almost, it almost wrapped around like twines, almost wrapped around forming the trunk. And I love the fact that the leaves didn't start until the very top of the tree. Mm-hmm. So again, I went back and I used my telescope to make sure that I was going to center it. And, you know, then I shot the picture. This is one of my more favorites too. It looks like Next a very one. smooth bark. The bark yeah. is very smooth. Yeah. 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 Okay, now I'm going to try and get the next picture here. All right, we have a sun peeking through with water. Uh, It looks like a seascape. This is probably the the photo I've sold most um, because I've had two art shows, one in Philly, one in New York. And this photo I love because this took me really doing what I've said about standing in one place and listening and all that. I looked through a telescope, was listening for what the sound would be like when the wave had crept in as far as it's going to go. And then it would start to recede, Mm. um, which took a lot of doing. I had to wait for a lot of waves to do that. And then also to figure out, okay, if it was, if it went in this far, you could hear it, then it's also going to give you a lot of reflections, which I could see through the lens that there was a lot of reflections happening. What I didn't get, which was a surprise after I developed it was that there was a little bird in the foreground. I don't know if you can see that. Oh yes, yes, I see. Mm-hmm. Kind of down in the um, bottom third of the of the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hanging out, waiting for any leftovers that's going to be there when the <laughs> thing recedes. You know, so, yeah, uh, yeah, he's looking for his supper. Yep, and again, I used that one was the ultimate in in standing there forever and listening and listening and listening. Now, I will admit mm-hmm. that I take multiple shots when I take them. Mm-hmm. And then when I get them back, I use the CCTV to be able to figure out which one really had the best image. Mm-hmm. So like I might take 10 shots of the same thing and then pick out which one had that perfect moment. If you, if you look closely, it's got like white edge around the water as it creeps in. Mm-hmm. So all that was really like a blessing to get that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the last one, Living in a high rise, I got to hear this noise outside my window one day and I opened my blind and got to see this. Oh my gosh. It's a it's an orange helicopter. <laughs> it's a bright, yeah, bright yellow helicopter. Yeah, yeah. And my window was slightly open and everything in my living room blew over. <laughs> <laughs> and I took pictures because he kept going back. He was trying to lift air conditioning units onto my building. And so I got him in so many shots as he was going down and then he was, he was going up and I kept taking all these shots and he was waving at me a couple of times 
you know, and I was waving back at him. I was like, hello, <laughs> we're outside my window. <laughs> you never know when you live in a high rise, what's going to happen. Now, with all that said, if I was able to do photography now, I would be in my heyday because mm-hmm. it's things to think about that you can do. One is the iPhone, like iPhone 12 and 13 have great cameras. Um, and if you use that, you can, you'll see the whole screen would be filled up with your image. Okay, there's one thing. And as you take the images and you store them, they hope you have a lot of memory. Then when you want to go through them, you can screen mirror onto your big TV mm-hmm. um, and look to see what they really look like enlarged. Because you can take your phone to even CVS and have them printed as large as they would. And then you'd have it, but you want to make sure which one you're going to print before you do. So, like I said, um, you know, I've even with my site before I had this latest incident with my vision, um, it was really low. But I brought my balloon one up on my TV and was actually able to see it, which was really amazing. Wow. Um, so, you know, that's a tactic. Um, you can certainly get digital cameras. They can do really nice jobs. Um, the prices have come down considerably on them. I think with the, like I have two iPhones, that I would go with that since a moment's going to come up where you have, you see see something that what you want to take a photo of and you can just grab your phone and pull it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even put a shortcut on your phone that says, say cheese, and it will just automatically take the picture. Um, what I think is to go through the camera. Spectacular about this, this photo of this helicopter is the background building that you, you know, that is in the background of this helicopter is um, not like a straight on. Uh It's the it's at an angle, which makes it very interesting um, for for the background. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Linda, uh, you mentioned that at some point you started to develop your own. Yes. What was the process you used to do that? Could you say something about that? Yeah, thanks, Sabrina. When I first went to college, um, I decided to take my first course in photography. And when the the teacher saw my stuff I'd already done, she said, I don't know what to do with you. (laughs) So (laughs) she said, you know, here's some stuff and go go develop it. So I started to develop my own things and black and white only because that's what they had. And, you know, that was really interesting because I had to do it in high contrast or I couldn't see it. Um, mm-hmm. When you do, you put the paper under the lens for it to shoot, to be able to, you know, put the light on the paper so that it burns it in. I couldn't see it unless it was had the red filter on it for it to get higher contrast. And, you know, I also learned some other mechanisms that was taught to me that if I move my hand back and forth in certain areas, that it would stop the light from burning it in too far. So there's all these techniques you can use, you know, and then also with the camera, going back to what I was doing with the camera, I, you know, had one where I had the lens fully open for a while and I shot a cue ball across the pool table and then took pictures of it bouncing back and forth. But I kept moving my hand up and down in front of the lens so that it was getting it in stages. Mm. So you get, when it that came out, you saw like this ball, you know, like a thousand times going one way, then another, then another. That's kind of cool. 
So you saw um, the path, the path that the ball had taken. Yeah. 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 Cool. And then I got into double exposing. You know, I had somebody in a graveyard sitting on top of a gravestone. They never knew that they posed for that picture. <laughs> I also, the person, I had two really great teachers. One was the person that did the cover of the, the book um, Exorcist. Yeah. And the other one I had had her work shown in the Louvre. Wow. But again, they said they didn't know what to do with me. So they handed me this box. Uh, wood box that was like four feet by two feet and they said take this home and figure it out and it was you know like a four by six camera um, that took slates and I took these photos of like a close-up of a orange and it looked like the moon mm-hmm. and I took a picture which I couldn't get for today to work but I took a picture of where I put wine glasses one behind the other behind the other behind the other and then I showed a light on the side of it so that it would pick up the edge and you could actually see that one after the other after another because the camera was so, you know, great on detail. You know, I also almost killed myself when I tried to, <laughs> to mix developer in my bathroom when I didn't have a window. And I was like, you know, all of a sudden it went poof and I was like, <gasps> oh, no. uh, you know, when I poured it in. But, you know, I, I have a passion for photography, always have, but I did like to draw a lot. I took my artwork up to New Hope, Pennsylvania, which is, used to be an artist colony. And I wanted them to evaluate my work because I wasn't sure, you know, how good I was, whatever. And they said, you're a Sunday, you're a little bit better than a Sunday artist, but you can make a living on your photography. So I was like, wow. okay. But the problem was I didn't want to because I didn't want to make it a work thing. I wanted it to be something that was a pleasure thing. Mm-hmm. And they don't always work hand in hand. Um, right. So, but I've just kept it as my passion. I think in my vision going further and further, this was the biggest loss for me was the photography, well, but I won't you. sell my camera. <laughs> right. Thank you for sharing your passion with us. This, these are wonderful pictures. Thank you. Linda, you don't have to sell the camera, but whenever you're ready, ready, you can give it to your other niece, John, and she'll be happy to put in her display of no i know she's been envying that camera for a while (laughs) yeah jonna her daughter is somebody that i used to hang around with and enjoyed showing her photography things when she was really little and i told serena the best thing she can do is buy her a camera good camera Mm -hmm. that's right glenda instructed me how to buy my daughter her first use 35 millimeter camera and now she's a photographer wow yeah so you you not only have a a passion for it but but you were able to share it with another and that's that's the best thing yeah oh yeah i mean that's the beauty in things you know and i have to say this this is probably the only thing in my life where you, you know sort of you're not um, seeking approval that i get enough pleasure out of these that people don't have to compliment me but it's nice to hear, mm-hmm. but I don't need that reinforcement. It's like, I just love seeing it myself. I could just play with it myself all those years. Good point. Glenda, you do have a hand raised. Nora, <laughs> you can go ahead and ask your question. Hi. Yeah. Did you ever use your wide angle lens? No, I did not. And I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> um, the only thing I was interested in is, is oh, okay. you know, the, the regular lens and then the telescopic lens which i was having a field day with you know shooting out um like in the ocean and finding a boat or whatever out there i have to say that my camera that i had was the first camera that had a computer card in it and 
you know, it would let me put in different cards to do different things. And I could put in a card that would be able to accept a photo of a airplane propeller going around and it would stop it. it would, you know, you wouldn't have the blur. It would take it so fast. And also close-ups. I love close-ups of plants and flowers. Can't think of the name of the artist that does all the flowers. The woman. Georgia you know, it's just fun. Georgia yes. Georgia O'Keefe that you look at her stuff and I was doing photos that were like her stuff and Sometimes it would look like it's something from outer space, but it was really just the flower, you know, right in the center. Any other questions? Yes, you do have a hand raised. Um, Sarai? Hello. Hi, Glenda. I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for sharing your artwork and your photography. I really enjoyed your artwork. It's extremely detailed. And I know sometimes as an artist, you try to perfect a lot of things. I know you said some of them took you up to a year. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't, you know, I was, wouldn't work on it every day. I'd sort of go back to it and play with it and go back to it and play with it. Yeah. And the photography, so serene. I, I really enjoyed um, a lot of the visuals um, and how all the pictures that you took came with a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's nice to intertwine the two to be able to create that, that memory when you look at that picture. Thank you. Um, on my website, I have, some, I have most of these photos. And if you're using speech, when you get to the particular photo, it actually tells you what it is and a little bit about it. Thank you so much again, Glenda. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, I know that one of the interesting photos that I, I took one year, which is a CCLVI plug, is before it was had the eye on the end, was a bunch of us had, I think Savita was with us on that one, and Marsha, taken a tour with this van and going around, um, you know, nature tour. And they went by this edge of a glacier and yes we had to do it we carved cclv into the glacier edge (laughs) awesome (laughs) so um you know i tried taking a picture but contrast was a little problematic yeah (laughs) so but somewhere on the glacier there's cclv hanging out you should go back (laughs) and put the eye on there (laughs) so glenda this is kathy king I was wondering, you mentioned telescopes, and I didn't hear exactly what you were saying. Have the, I've heard, or I was exploring astronomy just before my site changed, mm-hmm. and I understand that the at least high-powered telescopes now have the possibility of taking photos through them. Mm-hmm. I wonder, can you get like not super high-tech ones? You know anything about that? No, I don't, but it does intrigue me, and I, I should mention like step it back one second and say there are apps um, like I have one that's 30x zoom digital camera. <laughs> I had to think of the name and it costs like two bucks um, and it has a zoom camera part of it. It's really made for photographers. You can take a picture when it's zoomed. It's telescopically zoomed 30 times. Um, mm-hmm. So I had had I have people use it who want to just be able to see signs and everything. But I have one person that use it to be able to look out and i said you know look out at a tree and she did she goes oh my god there's a bird feeder oh my god there's a yellow something finch i guess it was and and she's like oh my god it's eating i'm seeing it eat and that was through <laughs> her phone just having one of these apps that can do wow. that and i said well you can actually you can take either a photo you can take a video of that and then if you want taking it a step further you could then do a screen mirroring which is an option on the iphone you can you know do that and bring it up on your big TV and look at it there, you know, your, the video and see it you know, like really big. 
So what is the name of that app? It's Binoculars 30 Times Zoom. Awesome. I was thinking of trying binoculars because I have a monocular. Now you're telling me I've got binoculars in my cell phone. You have Basically. to watch which one you get because if you don't get the right one, it's really crappy. <laughs> All right. Um, this one is Zoom 100 times. Um, that's there as well. Um, and this binoculars 45 times. So binoculars 30x 30, 30 zoom? Yeah. Awesome. You know, as I said, there's one that's 45x zoom and stuff like that. So, so that should um, be good if you go to the theater, right, Linda? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I tell people oh, all the time if they're going that. to the theater, if they're going to see an orchestra and they'd like to actually see what the yeah, people look like. Or a ball so, game? Yeah, ball game, anything that's distant. You could just use that, you know, yeah. for, you know, two bucks. It's quite a deal. I know that they also, I just remembered while I was talking about it, they also, you can get a telescope. This is like, you know, maybe like a $150 telescope for home use. I'm not talking about astronomers telescope, but a, a uh -huh. home telescope. And you can get an attachment where you put in your cell phone to take the yeah. picture through the telescope. You know, I don't know of it, but I believe it's probably there because. Um, it might be something that could help low vision people because of the way you were doing the telescope and then the camera. Exactly, exactly. And there's there are apps that actually let you bring up looking into the sky um, through your phone uh, without you having to do gyrations. It just you know plots it out and, and shoots it up. And then you can use features like Zoom within the you know whatever your device is to make it bigger on your screen too. For whatever it's worse, if people don't know on the iPhone, you can actually ask Siri what planes are above me, above me and they'll yeah. actually tell you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll tell you what planets are above you too. Oh, I didn't know that about the planets. Yeah. Cool. You'd be really oh, scared about how much it knows about what planes are above you though. It's really, it's like, uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so that means when we want to shoot our space rockets up into the sky and hit a planet, we'll know we're aiming in the right <laughs> uh -huh. uh, this Sounds is not like on topic but i'm going to just add one piece other thing because i'm just talking about an app there's an app called good maps explorer oh, people yeah. have started to hear about it but there's something really cool you can do a search and search for a location that you're going to and then put that in and then make it your virtual location which is one of the options and then you can do the look around feature and it acts like you're really there looking around. Um, mm. So I actually put in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue ah. uh, and then I looked around and it told me which rooms I was pointing at. It was really cool. Well, that's a great way to prepare for visiting somewhere. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you don't know your way around. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And the more you learn how to use the app, you can actually put it on that, you know, okay, now that I'm in that virtual location, give me what those locations are, and then you can go into each one and find out more about them. Good Maps yeah. Explorer. Good I Maps Explorer is the one for people yeah. that are visually impaired. Yeah. Glenda, how long did it take you, do you think, let's start at about 15, right? You were mm -hmm. working with pencil and everything. And learning how to do your smudginess and everything, right? How long did it take you to learn to be able to do that technique with a CCTV? Not long because the smudging I would do, I, the drawing was harder because you had to get the perspective of where your, finger, your mm -hmm. point was. Um, but the smudging under the CCTV was not that hard. 
You just have to be aware of where your finger was, which, as you know, when you use a CCTV, is a little disorienting sometimes to figure out where your finger is on a specific part of a paper, which is really important when you're smudging. So sometimes I would use, you know, the magnifying glasses and look through them um, so that I could really have a sense of where my finger was. You know, I'd switch between whatever I felt at the moment. Um, So for those of us that don't have CCTVs, but are extremely low vision, what do you think we could use to provide magnification? What type of phone do you have? I have an iPhone, but it's Use your phone. Use your phone. I also have a digital magnifier. No, it's got, it's built into your phone magnification. Right. Yeah. Um, There's also an app called seeing assistant home Mm -hmm. and that has a magnifier part to it, um, which is good. And then maybe set it up on a stand or something. Yep. You could set it on a stand. You could, you know, have it that you look at it and then you pull it away to be able to do work with your hands and, Mm -hmm. You know, you figure out what's a good rhythm for you in the process of drawing. Um, but yeah, I, all these things also you can make as a shortcut, like having the magnification. You could bring it up to just say magnify and it will come up. I have so. like a, a gooseneck sort of arm that has a, um, a jaw. I call it a jaw, you know, and, and it can hold the uh, cell phone sideways or straight up and down any way I want it. Okay. And this- so then you could gooseneck it and get it down so where I can see and then move it out of the way. And it's, it's got the same thing you're talking about where it clamps onto something and it's got a flexible rod that you can contort in every possible position. And then at the Mm -hmm. end of it, it's got this clamp that you can just, it just grabs the phone when you just press it and it opens up. I, that's what I was using when I was trying to get the pictures ready for the presentation today. I had that on there with a friend looking at the computer screen, making sure that they were the going in the right direction (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's so many ways to do things i do want to mention real quickly what (laughs) i came up with when i did have a cctv and was doing my own developing but i wanted to make sure which one i was developing which you know of the negatives if you put the negative right you know for those of us who ever use negatives anymore but if you put the negative on on the, the tray of the cctv it just bounces back the light. You don't get any image. But what I did was I took actually two videotapes and then on, put them about eight inches apart. And then I put a piece of plexiglass on top of that. And then I put the film on top of the plexiglass. And when the light bounced through the negative and then hit the tray and then bounced back up, it gave me a perfect image. And all I had to do was reverse Uh, the polarity. So instead of it being a negative, it was a positive. And then I had the real image. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah. So it takes experimentation to figure out how to do these. Your teachers couldn't tell you how to do this. No, no. It's determination. Yeah. But it doesn't work with color because when you do the reverse, you know, it's really weird colors to get you color pictures. So, Mm -hmm. but you know, when I would have my stuff enlarged at a place, I would have you know, looked at it through the CCTV to be able to tell what it was because, uh, you know, that was before iPhone years. And then I would tell them exactly the number on the film because they have numbers on each of the negatives and say, OK, I want number this and this and this and this and this and this all enlarged. And I would say, and when they enlarge, keep the level of contrast 
because sometimes when they enlarge, it bleaches it out some. So I'd say increase the contrast. So. Oh, there you go. And now we have, you know, I don't know, I think CVS does it where you can request that they print it even on a canvas for you yes. to hang it on a wall. You might not yes. get it that day. The things that have advanced are so incredible. It is. I mean, you can get a picture put on anything now. Mm-hmm. From a birthday cake to my sister has her two dogs on her N95 mask. <laughs> <laughs> And just have to have enough memory on your phone to be able to do it or whatever device you're using. Store everything. I, think I visited my uh, 92-year-old aunt for the first time since the pandemic. And I took a photograph of her using my iPhone. And, uh, of course, my daughter has helped me to learn how to take a pretty decent photograph. But anyway, I sent it out to uh, a list of my first cousins and her siblings. And they, I, and they all sent me responses like, how would you do this? <laughs> and i've got that picture in my library forever now but i like the idea of uh taking having it put up on the screen tv on the screen uh and i think i might also get that particular photograph printed it's a great photograph of her i have an in-between step my vision is such that i use a big giant ipad and so Uh i can't see pictures on my cell phone i can if i pinch them then i can zoom in on little sections right but they immediately transfer to my iPad and then I can see them sufficiently on there. And it's right up to me. If I put them on the TV, I'd have to stand three inches from the TV. But oh, yeah. the, the iPad, I have a whole rig set up where it swings right in front of me on a stand. It has an arm that I can swing it back and forth. And I know a lot of people have iPads or tablets. So that's another way that if you airdrop it or have them connected, looking at your pictures on a larger iPad might be another way to be able to see your images. Exactly. And you can also, if you put on voiceover, you can turn off the speech if you don't like it, but you can just keep the voiceover commands available. You can go down to Zoom, about to your, you can go to your rotor options and put Zoom in there on your rotor options. Mm-hmm. And that way, when you get to a photo, you can actually do the rotor and get to where it says zoom and then flick down until it gets to the magnification you want. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's got like tw- up to 12x. Yeah, that's cool because when I took the photograph yesterday, I did zoom 2x. You know, we can do it manually, but it would have been so much easier to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think the Android is as far, you know, getting catching up with the iPhone on camera and magnification do you have any sense Um, of that i've not heard anything about their camera i've heard that the magnification is getting better but i've not heard anything about their cameras getting better i think it depends on the phone the more expensive of course the better you get Mm -hmm. so like the samsung galaxies when i look at photographs of people who have androids share with me i always think that the, the iphone has a better uh it's better it's more precise more crisp well if you get an iphone 12 or up you've got three cameras in there that's right you know so they combine the image to create one image you know amazing technology compared to where we were 10 years ago oh my god oh yeah and as far as for people with with low vision or who are blind you know this is this is the decade to to be in this this was very interesting thank you Thank you very much. We really appreciate you doing Thank this. you for having me and asking me to talk about something that I love so much.
I knew this was going to be great because I, I had a chance to get a sneak preview. Um, Glenda shared some of her photos with me before, and I just, I knew she had a passion for it. And she has a very artistic talent, you know, helps the rest of us be more appreciative. And we may, what little bit we can see, uh, we're going to look at things a whole lot differently. Mm -hmm. Well, in closing, I'll tell you the most fun thing to do is to be somebody that uses a white cane. And have a 35 millimeter around your neck. <laughs> you really and, confused them, right? <laughs> oh, really? I mean, the people would be, I'd be walking along and they started following me to see what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what, uh, ladies and gents, there's a part two to this because Gwen is a wonderful poet. So you should invite her back and have her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you. Good. Well, thank you for sharing all of this with us. Again, thank you so much for asking me to speak about this. It took a tribe to make this podcast possible for you, and we're so pleased to have done it. Thank you to Glenda Such for her fabulous way of sharing her talent and experience with our community. Thank you to Zelda Gebhardt for being our wonderful screen sharing expert so that we could see the images on the call. Thank you to Natalie Couch for being our host and handling the technical aspects for us because there were many on this call. Thank you to Christine Chaikin for developing the Word document that you can access on the website at cclvi.org slash media podcasts and then go to special events so that you can view the images also. And I, Kathy King, am the production manager handling the audio and podcast. We hope you enjoy and you learn more about the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. We are dedicated to helping people with low vision and visual impairment live life well. Visit the website at cclvi.org and drop us a line to ask questions, learn more, and find out how we can be part of your life and provide support and community.